Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Today's episode focuses on the transformative potential of small daily habits that can revolutionize your health. But despite knowing the impact of these habits, many of us still find ourselves trapped in a season of burnout. But why does this happen? And is there a way to combat the perfectionism that holds us back? Join me in this enlightening episode as I'm joined by Amber Frauenholtz, who shares her wisdom in this area. Together, we delve into the underlying reasons for burnout and uncover practical strategies to overcome perfectionism. After going back through and having a chance to re-listen to our conversation, I truly feel like it's two friends discussing the main topic of burnout, small changes we can make in our day-to-day regarding health, but regarding our mindsets. We also touched on perfectionism and the spiral we can find ourselves in. Regardless of your season of life, I truly think there's something in this episode for everyone. So stay tuned. But before we get there, I quickly want to share a minimalist resource with all of you. At one point in this conversation with Amber, and you'll hear it, it's in the first half, we start talking about the negative self-talk spiral. And as she was talking, it made me think of a conversation that Dr. Peter Atia had on the Joe Rogan podcast. I'm a big fan of Dr. Atia, and I pretty much listen to any interview that he does. But there was something that struck me at the beginning of his conversation with Rogan, where he was talking about the importance of self-talk. And he said that the way we talk to ourselves can have a profound impact on our mental and physical health. He has been extremely candid about how hard he was on himself in the past, and it led to a lot of stress and anxiety in his life. And then he eventually realized that he needed to change the way he talked to himself. And in doing so, he would be more successful in all areas of life. He's also a longevity expert and researcher and saw the negative self-talk contributes to our emotional health and well-being. So now he uses a more compassionate and understanding approach to self-talk. And he says things to himself like, I'm doing the best I can. I'm learning and growing. And he truly believes that self-talk is one of the most important things we can do for our health and well-being. And just to pay attention to the way that we talk to ourselves, make a conscious effort to be more positive and compassionate. So a big takeaway from this specific episode is to challenge your negative thoughts. When you have a negative thought, you need to ask yourself, is it really true? And is there another way to look at the situation? Replace those negative thoughts with positive ones. It doesn't mean you have to be a Pollyanna, but it does mean focusing on the good things in life, gratitude. And if all of this seems too overwhelming, just be aware of your thoughts. And the first step to positive change is obviously self-awareness. If you're curious to know more about Dr. Peter Atia's personal journey with self-talk, I highly recommend checking his interview with Rich Roll, which I'll link in the show notes. But this conversation, again, was with Joe Rogan on the Joe Rogan podcast, which I'll also be linking in the show notes. And then check out his book if you're interested at all in longevity. It's Outlive. I'm kind of chuckling to myself because I feel like you're going to listen to this part in the episode with Amber and wonder how I got from here to there. And I can't tell you exactly how. I just know that when she was speaking, it made me think about this conversation between Peter Atia and Joe Rogan, and I knew I wanted to share it with you all. So with that, let's get into this conversation with Amber from Amber Dawn Wellness. Well, Amber, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. 
I'm excited to talk today about small changes that we can implement to avoid burnout, both in new motherhood and honestly throughout our motherhood journey. So I can't wait to pick your brain and get your expertise in this area. But before we get there, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I'm super excited to talk about this because it is my passion, why I started my business. So I am a nutritional therapy practitioner and health coach, and I specialize in all things women's health. I really help women in all stages of life. So even if you're uh, preparing for pregnancy or you're dealing with perimenopause, postmenopausal, and we work on hormones, we work on reducing stress, we work on optimizing gut health. And I do that using a data informed approach to nutrition and stress management. So that means, you know, looking at lifestyle, looking at what they're eating, their symptoms, but it also means functional lab testing, right? So if, you know, someone wants to get a bit a better picture of like what's happening with their hormones or is their digestive system actually functioning at capacity, we can look at those things and then build a protocol based off of those items. So that's what I do on the daily. You told me before we got on the call that you have a seven and five-year-old. When you had them, was this something that you were practicing or has it been something that you have pursued throughout your motherhood journey? Yeah. So I actually come from corporate marketing. I worked in tech for eight years and what changed was I became a mom. And during my first postpartum experience, I got some pretty bad postpartum anxiety, got really burned out. And it was those holistic modalities that really got me out of it. It was therapy. It was focusing on my nutrition. It was finding community. It was going and getting a massage. You know, it was all of those things combined to really get me to a better place and experiencing that especially in that vulnerable timeframe, early postpartum, I realized that there's just not enough resources or support for women in general, not even just postpartum women, but just across the board. And it was very eye-opening and shocking. Um, But I went back to work anyway, so went back to corporate. Then I had my second son. And um, I'm sure many of your listeners can relate. It's kind of like an identity crisis every time you have a kid. And after Griffin, he's my five-year-old, I just felt called to bring everything that I had learned working on myself to other women, but also focusing on nutrition. So I quit my job. I went back to school, got my nutritional therapy certification and all that. So that's where it all began. So for you, it sounds like you did implement changes to your lifestyle when you were struggling right after you had a baby. And a lot of us think try and do that. I don't know. It's kind of like a phoenix rising from the ashes, right? You have this new identity, as you said, that you take on and it's like, okay, what is this going to look like? This is new. And with every child that you add, it's this new identity. But with each of my three kids, I've approached that postpartum period differently. And even, I mean, I don't know, I think you're continually growing, hopefully, and evolving as a person. But oftentimes we take on so many new changes in our lives. And like you said, you went and got massages. You were trying to eat healthy. Moving is great. But sometimes when we do all of these things at once, we can't stick to them. And that's in general. So why is that? And what does an approach look like that might be a lot more sustainable? Yeah. So um, I think that's one of the things that kind of sets me apart in my coaching is that we try to shy away from giving somebody this giant like lifestyle overhaul where they have 50 different items at once to try to change, uh, you know, go on a whole 30 or whatever it may be because it's not sustainable. And when you look at something from a bigger picture like that, you just feel that like analysis paralysis, or you just kind of get stuck and you can't move forward. Plus we're all, you know, inner perfectionists. And so when you can't do all 50 things, you feel like you're a failure and so on and so on. It just kind of spirals out. You don't see progress, so on and so on. So 
the kind of big secret of nutrition and health and holistic health is that you actually don't have to do all of those 50 things all at once to get improvements and start to see benefits and start to feel better. It's really kind of identifying what are the lowest hanging fruit in your life that you could focus on and just focusing on like one to three things at a time, getting really good at those things. And then you're going to feel motivated and ready to maybe tackle a fourth thing or a fifth thing because those other things just become a part of your life. And these are really basics. I mean, just making sure you're getting enough water in the day along with electrolytes so that you're actually absorbing the water. That's going to do huge gains and benefits from an energy perspective, from having uh, the electrolytes to function with your full brain capacity. I mean, just lots of different things. So that's an example of one of the small things you can do. You do talk a lot about consistency so that we can avoid burnout. How would you say that your expertise in health and wellness influences this area? In so many ways, burnout isn't just necessarily something that you experience when you have like a heavy mental load. You know, of course, you might be in a really stressful job or feel pressure in parenthood or whatever it may be, but it also is combined with all the different physical layers too. So that's really, really, really when we see um, burnout symptoms appear, things like exhaustion, chronic fatigue, uh, hormone imbalances, anxious thoughts, depressed thoughts, inability to lose weight if that's something you're trying to do, loneliness, brain fog. I mean, all these things are that are associated to, to burnout. So if you don't have the physical pieces, like your hydration in place, your nutrition in in place, strategies in place to be the foundational piece, you can't really make a holistic picture of supporting yourself through those types of issues. I think a lot of people too, when their children go off to school, if you're not a working mom, you might find yourself with some unexpected time. And that's when you want to start to make new lifestyle changes and shifts. But I think a lot of us do get caught up in a perfectionistic mentality of, well, I have to do all the things. And even, even something as simple as water, being a perfectionist was saying like, oh, I didn't hit my goal today. We like spiral. And so how would you say that we can keep from going down those paths of no return? Yeah. I mean, this is essentially like the number one thing I do when I coach women is helping them through these kinds of mini falling off the web again ideas. Failure is part of the process. So it's not even really failure. It's just like part of the process. You are at some point not going to hit your goal, right? And that is just how life works. Life happens. It's, it's this idea that when that happens, you become aware of it and you accept that that's the case. And then you just keep moving forward. you're like, all right, well, tomorrow I am going to hit my water goal. And you just keep trying, right? So you just keep going. None of the work that you did in the past goes away. It's all about looking forward and just taking those small, minute steps to, you know, keep getting you towards your goals without feeling that major overwhelm. I used to struggle with various eating issues. And I had that last supper mentality of, okay, I'm going to get it all in and I'll be better tomorrow. What actually pulled me out of all of that was telling myself you can start in the next moment. And so I think when we get perfectionistic about whatever goal we have, we can tell ourselves, no, I may have not succeeded. I don't even like to say that I necessarily failed. Maybe my circumstances, maybe I didn't set myself up best in that moment to succeed. Oh, maybe I'm eating a half a box of cereal right now because I am so tired and my body was craving energy. And that's not bad. I just need to make sure I get yes. more sleep so that doesn't happen again. Onward, I'm going to start in the next moment to continue to pursue my goals, understand that I might not always meet them. But yeah, I like how you said it doesn't cancel out the work we've already done. Yeah. You just keep going. 
So I actually love this idea of contrast. So I love experiencing contrast, which is when you are doing really well with your goals and you're feeling really good. And then, Hey, you go on vacation and you eat an entire pizza and ice cream and whatever it may be. And you're beating yourself up and you're feeling you're feeling gross. You might be bloated. You're constipated. I mean, I don't know what the reaction to the pizza is going to be, but in that moment you can say, Oh, right. Like this is why the effort is worth it. Like, I don't like feeling like this. I'm noticing the contrast from when I feel good to when I don't feel good. And then I use it as motivation for that next moment. Okay. Well at the next meal, then I'm going to have some more veggies with my pizza to get some more fiber in. It's sort of that mentality. Yeah. I love that. I don't know. For so long, I would just stay in a negative spiral of being really unkind to myself, beating myself up. And that doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help our kids when we're mean to them, or it doesn't help in an argument with our spouse. I I don't know why we think it would work with us long-term either. It's like beating ourselves to submission and then we ultimately fail. So I like the idea of just noticing contrast and moving on. And you're not who you were in the moment before if you don't want to be. Right. Right. You know, and there is really a lot of power and magic in just accepting the fact that you're going to be on this up and down journey. You know, so I talk about a healing journey, no matter what, really whatever kind of journey you're on. But in my line of work, it's usually healing journeys. It looks like a spiral. You know, you start in a center of a page and then you kind of start drawing that spiral up and around, up and around. And at the top of the spiral, you're going to feel amazing. You know, your habits are awesome. You're doing great. You're following through. You feel like you're on top of the world. But ultimately, where does the spiral have to go? It has to go down and you're going to feel the contrast. You're going to feel like not motivated. You don't want to keep moving forward. You're going to feel like you're failing. But again, it's got to go back up again. And when you get around to the top of the spiral, you actually are higher than where you began. And every journey is like this. So if you can accept the fact that there are going to be down moments, when you're in those down moments, you can tell yourself, this is temporary. I know I'm going to make the next right choice and I'm going to be on the upswing to the high point in my spiral again and things are going to be, you know, grand. It's just kind of a part of it. Okay, so what are daily habits that you personally implement or also some that you offer to your clients as just little habits that we can make? I know you mentioned water, but what are some other things you found very helpful in your life? Yeah. So I'm going to give you like maybe two or three of my favorites or really small things that you can do. So water is certainly one and in nutritional therapy, just to give it your listeners a rule of thumb, we say 50% of your body weight. So whatever your body weight is in fluid ounces, that would be your water goal. And then you'd want to include some electrolytes so you can absorb the water. So that's a sprinkle of really you know high quality sea salt, which is mother nature's electrolytes in your big glasses of water, or you can buy fancy powder, but you don't need, you don't need to. So water is definitely one. And that's a big focus for me. The other piece is just every time I go, so getting enough protein, we need protein in our diets in order to have enough neurotransmitters in order to build our hormones in order to feel satiated. I mean, there are so many benefits to eating enough protein. So one of the things, if you don't want to fixate on tracking, cause I, I teach intuitive eating, not like actually, you know, tracking your food is trying to train yourself to ask the question when you go make a meal or grab a snack is what's my protein source. And you choose whatever that thing is first, and then you combine it with whatever else you want to eat. Right. So that's a habit that I do every day, every meal or snack. I ask myself, what's my protein coming from? 
it can be animal products. It could be protein powder. It could be beans, legumes, you know, whatever, but we want to have some protein represented somewhere. One of the other really practical tips I get that I probably give to most clients is don't drink caffeine on an empty stomach. So we always have the urge to have our cup of coffee when we wake up before, you know, we have our breakfast, but what does coffee do? It just stimulates the adrenals to pump out cortisol and adrenaline, right? And so what does that do? It raises our blood sugar. And we don't really want our blood sugar spiking when we don't have food to bring that down in our system, right? So we want to have stable blood sugar throughout the day. So if you want to reduce anxiety, if you want to kickstart your metabolism, if you want to just feel better and more satiated throughout the day, have some food before you drink your coffee, or you can put a scoop of like collagen peptides. They're great for coffee because they were flavorless. They dissolve really well. And they just, you know, add 10 grams of protein in just that one scoop. Right. So it's like, bam. But what about the metabolism thing? See, I always thought it was good for your metabolism to drink a cup of coffee. It just spurs it on. So that's not true. I mean, it does give you energy, right? Like, so it is dumping stress hormones in your system so that you do have the blood sugar to produce ATP, like, and move and do the thing that you need to do. But what it's doing is it's spiking blood sugar. And when we have high blood sugar that can be kind of an inflammatory state, right? We don't want our blood sugar to be super high or super low. We really want it to be stable throughout most of the day. That's where we're going to optimize weight loss. That's where we're going to optimize our energy levels and feel our best. And so the best way I think that you can kickstart your metabolism is actually to eat a savory protein filled breakfast in the morning, then have your caffeine. Okay. Okay. And by the way, I have no reference for what my I have no reference for that information. I just assumed. So that's good to know. Good to know. So I want to touch a little bit more on burnout. You were talking about even just with coffee, you you mentioned that we can feel more anxiety if we're drinking our coffee on an empty stomach. I wonder if I don't feel like anxiety. Is that still bad? Or are we specifically talking about someone that is burnout and has a, a fatigue in that way? Does that make sense? So black coffee in the morning, for the most part, is a general recommendation. I think everyone would feel better if they ate before they had coffee. That being said, you know, if you don't have any hormonal complaints, if you don't have any chronic fatigue complaints, or you don't think you're dealing with any kind of cortisol imbalances, which is a stress hormone, especially just going back 20 seconds ago, like hormone imbalances. So if you are somebody who's dealing with potential hormone issues, you're potentially estrogen dominant or like something's going on with your cycle, I would absolutely prioritize having food before caffeine. But if those things are not happening to you, then I think it's probably fine to have some black coffee as long as you're eating pretty closely after, you know, you finish it. Sorry, I don't know why I'm so stuck on that. I've heard that a handful of times recently and I'm like, that can't possibly be true, but I didn't research it enough. So I'm glad you clarified. But I want to go back just a little bit and touch on burnout. I don't know. What are signs that identify that we are burnt out? Because sometimes you feel that way, but are there actual physical signs or diagnoses? Yeah, burnout is not an official diagnosis, at least from what I have heard, it really is sort of more like a syndrome. So like a grouping of symptoms that could be found all together or may not be found all together. It's kind of an umbrella term just to help people classify when they're feeling like crap. They can say that they are burned out. But what I see for the most part with my clients are hormone imbalances. So there's issues happening with their menstrual cycles, right? There's too much blood. The cycles are too short. They are dealing with really heavy cramps. They have really bad PMS symptoms, stuff like that, or chronic 
fatigue, that's going to definitely be in the mix. You're just always tired. You don't feel like you have the energy to do anything. You're not recovering from your workouts. Working out just sounds like absolutely terrible to you. You have no motivation, you know, to like actually go on and do things. You just kind of want to stay home and like knock it out. You don't really want to like focus on healthy lifestyle changes, having trouble sleeping. That's absolutely going to be in the mix. You know, even if you have young kids and they're sleeping well, and you're still not able to sleep, like that's a warning sign to me, uh, brain fog. That's also going to be a big one. So you just have that sort of stuffy head feeling. You just can't feel like you can grasp onto those thoughts or think through cognitively, you know, complicated problems. And then usually weight loss or weight gain is going to be part of it. You may have goals to lose weight, but it just feels like it's impossible and you're gaining weight and uh, especially around like hips, stomach, those kinds of things. So how do we prevent this? This is going to happen in seasons throughout our life. So what do we do in each of those seasons or how can we best prepare? Yeah, you know, it's really kind of trying to figure out what are the handful of things that make the most impact for you. So this can be a bio individual, why it's helpful to work with somebody um, and do testing and all of that. So it is making sure your nutrition needs are getting met. It's drinking your water. It's making sure you are balancing your blood sugar and it's participating in some type of self-care when I say the word self-care, it's such like a buzzword, but I don't mean going out and getting massage, although that's very nice to go out and do that. Um, it more means like, are you giving yourself anything throughout the day? What are some things that make you feel like you? Is it just like listening to a podcast or cooking dinner? Like we want to make sure we're getting those small things in at least once a day. And then making sure that you're prioritizing yourself, right? So learning how to set boundaries, learning how to question negative thoughts when they arise, you know, using tools and, and going to therapy to like help manage sort of that mental load. All of those things combined are going to be strategies that you can use to avoid burnout. But again, it's kind of experimentation to figure out like what of those things make the most impact on your body. I guess for me, I have a really hard time addressing burnout because I think I don't want to get left behind in what I'm doing for work or there is that fear of missing out that happens sometimes. That's why I always say choose JOMO, like the joy of missing out so you don't feel like you're missing out. But I understand that it can be hard to address these things. It also might feel like, okay, if I cut back on working out, I'm going to lose my fitness goals. Or if I stop focusing so much on my kids, I'm going to miss milestones. I just feel like we have this pressure to not address it, but I don't know. I guess I don't know what the answer is. I'm just more speaking honestly of, of why it's been hard to address burnout in my life. There's just this thing that stops me, but then we make ourselves ill in the long run. Yeah. Um, I feel that deeply as well. I am somebody, you know, I have to practice what I preach. I I also deal with all the same stuff that you just talked about. I had like a foot injury and I couldn't run for a while. And it just really messed with my head because I was, you know, I'm going to lose all of my progress and all of that. So I think there's a couple different things. Number one is like having a strategy to talk to that voice in your head, you know, whatever that strategy is that works for you. Maybe you do go see a therapist and that's someone who can help you work through that. Or maybe you implement some kind of thought uh, procedure where you have a thought and you ask yourself, is this a true thought? Is it true? Can I absolutely know if this is true? You know, who would I be without this thought? You know, that kind of thing. But the other piece of it, and I do this with clients, is really getting clear on truly what is it that you want? What is your true priority? 
And sometimes, you know, the answer may not be that it is your health and that's fine, you know, because it changes all the time, but knowing what those priorities are, that's where you're going to find the motivation. And when you are feeling that FOMO feeling, you got to go back to your why, why am I doing this? What are my priorities? And that can help you push through a little bit, I think. And again, it sounds like we're similar in this vein, but I like to have my hands on multiple things. I am someone that enjoys creative work. I enjoy experiences. I like to do a lot of things, but I also am understanding that with every child that I've added to my life, it reduces the me time that I can actually have available. And so then if I'm not prioritizing actual self-care, and that doesn't mean the few minutes that I sit in my car when my kids run inside, that's not self-care. And it's not self-care to go to the grocery store by myself. I want people to know that even though you might be alone, that's not self-care. It's not self-care. We are talking about things that actually flip that burnout that make you feel rejuvenated, refreshed, and able to conquer the day and able to manage your kids without raging and yelling. I think that was another thing that I'd seen in myself. Just the anger that I would feel with my kids was really... I wasn't raised in a yelling family. So it was something that was probably caused by burnout. So anyways, all that to say, I think it is so hard to give up control. Fixing our burnout is giving up control in a way. It 100% is. But it again, it's also mindset though. It's, it is also having the focus on the things that you can control in your life. So much of the burnout is actually caused by the things that you actually, when you're honest with yourself, do not have control over. You don't have control over how other people respond to you. You don't have control over like people giving you work. You don't have control over external factors of pandemics, you know, (laughs) whatever it may be. Um, And so when you can look back and say, okay, well, what are my priorities? Like, it is really important for me to not lose myself. Um, Then like what in that, in that uh, comment, can I control? Is it the fact that I want to have a bath every night or is it, you know, whatever. So if you can focus on the things that are within your control, then it feels a lot better in my opinion. Well, and I think it's interesting what you said, you couldn't control that you had an injury from running. That was something you can control, but you could exacerbate it by not taking a break. You could make it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It is. Again, it's so hard to stop when we feel so driven about something fill in the blank of whatever that looks like in all of our lives. But the older I get, I guess the more I see the value in actually stopping and, and making that time, even if it's yeah. so for us to do so. Yeah. I think it, it's also an acceptance and I guess another kind of buzzwordy word is surrender, but you accept the fact that there's not enough time for us to do all of the things that we want to do. And And that's life. That is the nature of being a human. And so if you can get really real on what are those priority things, it can be so much more, it can just be way way more helpful, you know, to kind of tackle those negative thoughts that you're having about not doing X, Y, Z thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope this gave people something to think about, but where can they connect with you if they want to dive deeper into these topics? Yeah. Uh, so I'd love people to follow me on Instagram. You can find me at Amber Dawn, D-A-W-N underscore wellness on Instagram. And then you can also find me on my website. I do have some free downloads and things like five ways to feel less exhausted in motherhood and a meal planning guide and some stuff. So if you want to check those things out, you can. And that's just amberdawnwellness.com. Perfect. Well, quick fire round of two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what has been a beneficial resource to you that you want to share with the listeners today? 
Yeah. So I've been thinking about this while we were talking and actually this last bit of the conversation really solidified that I want to share it, but a book that I have read recently that has been super helpful for the FOMO stuff that we've just been talking about is called 4,000 Weeks Time Management for Mortals. Have you already recommended this one? I want to say it was a resource of the week at one point, but it was at the beginning when I had just started reading it and I will second you with that. It's excellent. Yeah. I mean, again, it's all about the acceptance factor of knowing that there's not a, enough time for everything. So what it, what are the things you are going to get done? I love that book. I think it's by, who who wrote that book? Oliver Berkman, I think, is okay. the author. So Time Management for Mortals, highly recommend. Yeah, I highly recommend that too. All right. Well, my last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? I have a fun one. I like a product that I'm loving right now. Have you heard of Midday Squares? No. What's that? Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to change your life. So <laughs> mid, midday squares are like little protein bars. They're, oh. they taste like, they taste like candy bars. They're very low in sugar, but they're high protein and the ingredients are amazing. And so they have one that's like, it tastes like a less sugary Reese's peanut butter cup. So there's oh like a peanut God. butter one. Then they have one that is like a cookie dough flavor and then like a brownie flavor, but there are between like six to 10 grams of protein in each bar. And it just feels like a little treat, even though it's really a health food. And I just feel like it has been a game changer for me and lots of my clients because I just have one of those after lunch and I feel like I've gotten a treat, but it's really just adding some overall protein goal, like midday squares, check them out. Are they local to Texas or are they... I think they're Canadian. Oh, I think they're Canadian. Uh, you have to, if you're going to order in bulk, you have to order directly through their website because they ship them, you store them in the refrigerator. And then you can find them at Target here in Texas and you can find them at Whole Foods. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, I'll have to check those out. They sound amazing. I'm always looking for a little yeah. thing like that that I can just kind of take with me and go. So cool. Yeah. Well, Amber, again, I hope that this was helpful to listeners. It was helpful to me to just kind of rethink through some of the stuff as I'm going into a new season of summer with my kids and just reevaluating schedules and whatnot. So thanks for joining me today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.